Welcome to the Take 92 Podcast. This is Sammy Warmhands. I'm your host. And today I've got in the studio my man Gradient. We just got off of the Rare Form Tour, which we did the whole thing together. It was Gradient, Double Dragon, with Sammy Warmhands and Ogar Burl. And we just wanted to sit down and have a nice little recap. It was Gradient's first time out on the road. And uh, we had all kinds of interesting things happen to us. So let's get into it. We're home. Feels great. First tour for you down. What an amazing experience. Yeah. I miss all the dudes, man. Double Dragon, Danny G, Skeptic, Ogar Burl, you. So you're going to name them twice, <laughs> me and Doug once? That's that's real nice. I can tell who means the most to you now. No, it was a good time. Lots of uh, Lots of perverted jokes. Lots yep. of sexual frustration. I mean, I guess we don't touch on that too much for the public. We'll just speak about it vaguely. Sure. I mean, that's <laughs> that's a thing on tour. You know, you're away from your partner and uh, everyone's got communal, you know, shared spaces. Um, so you're not even taking care of things on your own. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, frustrations happen. People start not thinking right. <laughs> Single people take to Tinder, drag along everyone else with them. <laughs> Should we just tell that story? Things happen. I don't know. Maybe I'll leave that to him if he wants to. All right. I don't want. I mean, it did affect all of us. I don't want to air him out. Yeah, we did wind up in a very <laughs> strange place. But um, to me, this was special, obviously, because it was my first time. But knowing that you've done this so much, but that you had to relinquish so much control. Because it basically was skeptics, you know, he did the booking and then he provided the RV, he and Danny provided the RV, and normally on tour we'd be in a place where it's your zone, it's your Take 92 van, you're the only one driving it, that's how I understand it's gone in the past, and then it was kind of frustrating for you, especially at the beginning, to adjust to not just it not being your territory, I guess, but just the sorts of decision making that you weren't able to do and it not being your an environment that you had been used to so yeah la- last that? year was the vacant eyes tour was in some ways my best tour because everyone had a specific role skeptic booked it danny did all the sound and that stuff and i did the driving and kind of kept everyone on course on schedule, you know, all this stuff. And Burl provided um, the snoring, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a lot of Ogar Burl sounds. No, but he, he would help uh, set up and tear down the merch and that stuff. So everyone kind of had their own thing, and it was very efficient. And essentially this time, I was just kind of a floater, you know. I was just along for the ride. And that was as was I. It's fucking weird, you know. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't like it. You know, it was it was tough for me to get used to a different pace. You know. That said, everything got uh, taken care of, and and we made it. And by second week or so, I was, you know, I was feeling much more at home. And, and that that's aside from all the the change of just being 
floating around loose, not strapped in in a RV. Yeah. You know, not facing forward, feeling like I'm on an airplane, getting motion sick, all that. You know, that was a an added bonus. But yeah, it was definitely weird for me. Um, I think for you, it was probably entirely different than had you gone out on one of my regular tours. Totally. You and know. I could feel your resentment. <laughs> <laughs> you, I mean, well, first of all, there were a lot of things that made this relatively easy for me. I didn't have to, I didn't have any sort of role or responsibility for the most part. I was also a f- sort of floater. And my lovely mother made Danny and Ch- Skeptic promise that I wouldn't get to drive at all. I really wanted to help with driving and take driving shifts, but I have no insurance covering if I was driving the vehicle and because I don't have a car. Yeah. Um, but I do like to drive. Um, <laughs> and so I just basically slept a lot. You <laughs> played, did a lot of Played napping. video games and lied down on my bed. Uh, and it was great. <laughs> yeah. And then when it was showtime, I went and rapped at the beginning and then just had fun for the rest of the night. Yeah, it's it's a lot different also having five people on a tour versus three. That's a good you point. Know, it's 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 a lot harder to contain and uh it's a different it's a different vibe for sure. People are splitting off in groups whereas before we are one group, you know, yeah. like it was small enough to where everyone was pretty much the whole gang at all times, you know. Sure. Um so yeah, totally different experience for me for sure. And for you, having played how many shows before this tour? I think my final count of actual sets that were longer than like twenty minutes or that were at least twenty minutes, probably like six shows. Mm-hmm. And then on the sh- on the road, we did fourteen. Yeah. So that was cool. So I more than tripled. Yeah, more than tripled the total amount of shows that I've done. And I could feel myself getting a lot more comfortable with what I was doing towards the end. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah. I mean, I would tell you (laughs) every day, like, that was, keep doing that. That was fucking good. (laughs) Occasionally when it wasn't as good, I would tell you that too. But yeah, (laughs) like, the last week especially, man, the sets were, were night and day different. Like, you had you had it fucking dialed in well i mean you could only go upward from when i was uh got tired during my very first one at the uh big legrowski in portland and ended up just inserting a terry a karaoke break of take on me by aha which happened i nailed it but uh i noticed you walked out well (laughs) i had uh i I was i was gonna go out to get my water anyway and then that happened, and um, <laughs> I went, "Yeah, this is this is the right time for that." I think, uh, and I heard I think it was you Dave Grohl made a joke about like, you know, when to go take a piss. It's when the bass solo happens. Uh, and that's the right time to just you know go take a leak. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, jabs at Michael Anthony aside, um, <laughs> I I, I heard, was Nate Mendel, isn't he the? I heard you. Yeah, but I just think of like in terms of big ass rock bands that would every band member gets their solo section you know oh, i think okay. of van halen but uh, but yeah nate is one of my favorites he's awesome he's cool i heard you in that moment when i was waiting at the bar say uh yeah i'm getting kicked off the tour on the first night now or something <laughs> like that uh, only a slight exaggeration 
<laughs> I, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't quite feeling it. <laughs> I heard I heard Doug made a comment to you about it. Yeah, he was probably said something like, "Yeah, so just never fucking do that again." <laughs> <laughs> so that was interesting. My whole thing is I try really hard to choose a set list ahead of time. Sure. And change it and 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 get it right before I ever leave. And I don't think we changed ours really at all except for um, when you need a couple to. like requests here and there in the beginning, you oh, know, sure. um, like you, when you suggested playing morning and I fucked all that up cause I didn't even remember the other set. <laughs> um, and then pulling out a couple extra solo songs in Eugene. But, um, we pretty much kept the same set every night and I noticed yours fluctuated quite a bit until that last week when it kind of was more set in stone. Um, yeah. what's that process for you? I mean, I was just trying things out. There was a new... I wanted to be able to have new stuff for the road, but I had a... Well, I mean, I can talk all about why I was busy and didn't write anything, but that's been my last two years, so I guess I'll just not do that. Um, <laughs> busy summer. Didn't really have much new stuff. Had a new verse for a project that I'm... That's in the early stages right now that I'm working on with Crosby, which is, who's Odar and Evil. Evil and I are going to do a project with hopefully all all Crosby on the production. So that's exciting. You know, you um, you talked for a long time about slowly working your way into the illusionists. Now you just cut <laughs> me right out of it. <laughs> <laughs> that is a funny point. Um, <laughs> no, I told I told Evan hilarious. though I'm excited about that that record because it's going to be the two like dorkiest rappers that I know combined. I think and it I, makes sense. Yeah. I think it's going to make some really hilarious song writing mm-hmm. you know some some really great lines will come out of that project That's i hope. hope feeding feeding off of each other yeah yeah so i um i worked that one in i worked in some old mixtape tracks every once in a while i put in born for this in uh boise just for fun i was actually surprised to hear some of those i didn't i didn't even think about it really going into it i was expecting a lot of ambition yeah well most of it was ambition I mean, my biggest song on YouTube is Oregon to Minnesota, which is from my Born for This mixtape, and it's the on the beat of Are You That Somebody by Aaliyah, which I was inspired by because Watsky did that, used that beat for his first mixtape, his second mixtape also. Mm. Um, and what else did I do? Grabbing the mic, I just think that's a really dope beat. Um, it's the beat from Benzy Box by Danger Doom. Uh MF Doom and Danger Mouse together did a project. And then Super Fast Jellyfish. I just really liked all three of those. Um, and, yeah, I just feel like it can be a fun way to, you know, if someone's never seen me at a show, the whole thing is new, maybe they hear a beat that they thought, oh, that's a cool beat. Like, yeah, they, recognize like they recognize it. it. Yeah. You know, uh, a thing that you did well by incorporating those songs is that they weren't just kind of spread out like, oh, here's three real songs, here's a snippet of a song, here's you know, a couple of real songs, here's a snippet of a song. You made a cohesive medley of the mixtape tracks, though like here's all the kind of either stolen beats or incomplete, you know, tracks and it's just like bam, 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 they ran into each other. And I thought that worked really well as kind of like, oh, here's a, a deviation from my set for a moment and then we right back into it yeah i pretty much started and ended each night with like stuff from my album ambition um so most nights i started with elevator music 
Which has been stuck in my head for a long time. <laughs> Sometimes I would do rainy day acapella, but then I would always end, and then I would do higher and it ain't nothing right after. So it'd pretty much be elevator music, higher and it ain't nothing at the beginning, and at the end I would almost always do Eon. Yeah. I noticed that changed as you went as well, um, especially the last set. Yeah. Um, you pulled out all the backing vocals and also changed up some of those rhythms. What was your oh, thought yeah. process Oh, yeah, well, just on uh, Eon, the chorus, that, that that hook. I know you've said openly that you don't like it. <laughs> on stage, I said that. It's true. Although you never really can trust what I say on stage. Sometimes I just feel like I'm going to say a thing, and then I just say it. Well, you also like said it true. to me when you were recording the song. You were like, yeah, <laughs> I, gr- I wrote all these verses today. Uh, chorus isn't great. I'm like, well, let's work it out. You're like, no, this is just, let's just be... I think that we're was, almost done. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's how I was feeling at the end of that. And then I had written, I'd compiled slash written all those lyrics the night before. No surprises there. Um, but yeah, I just, for breath breaks, really, I've always, whenever I've done that song live, the chorus is just drawn out. It's just awesome, eclectic, and often neglected, raw with it, or whatever. Yeah, off, and so, after really technical verses. Yeah, exactly. After a really long, like 30 bar. I don't know if it's 30, but whatever. Long verses. And then, so in the, in the live version, I would just do awesome, eclectic, and often neglected. Um, So I can just take a breath every bar. You know? Yeah. So I liked it. Cool. Cool. Now, was, I really liked your guys' set, man. That was always a ton of fun to see how you guys were going to. The thing I enjoyed probably as, as a tour experience was seeing how people would react and respond to the three very different presentations that we packaged together. Yeah, a lot of times I have a very cohesive bill that fits, and then other times um, it is a lot of variety, and this was definitely one of those cases. Yeah, definitely. So there would be times when, you know, nobody's feeling me, but then Double Dragon gets up there, and people are actually, like, dancing, and everybody's having a good time. And I'm like, yeah, wow, cool. And then maybe, you know. It's a gamble sometimes when, when we're all on you know such a small level that we're showing up and the majority of whoever's there doesn't really know what's going on maybe they saw one of our videos online and thought i'll check out that show yeah you know so you never really know i mean and i I remember going into certain places and people having a lot to say about your videos and you know double dragon doesn't have any videos (laughs) which they've uh tried to rectify hopefully soon but um I, I think some of it is just random people wander into the show or people caught a glimpse of something online or they came for one of the locals, you know, and they wind up seeing something way different. Like I, I thought a, a great example of being surprised by the reactions was um, the show with Denku in yeah. Madison. Um, yeah, because, Tayamo Denku and Rambunctious. Yeah, and they're doing like some straight up boom bap total hip-hop shit and you know it's pretty hard edged yeah and then you went up immediately after that and i was like this is going to be a hell of a transition totally you know <laughs> totally going from like dead serious to let's have a lot of fun you know mm-hmm. and yet it worked and everyone was i think part of it had to do with the fact that the sound was really clear but like from Definitely. right away people were catching your punchlines and like oh shit like this this dude's good like you know because because there's some there's some shows where 
it's easy if you're a different style to just alienate the room. You know, and I, I talked to Double yeah. Dragon about it last tour and this tour. I was like, dude, you're putting in um, that's, that song with the screaming chorus, you know, the sew me back up and start, start again from scratch. You know, that, that whole thing, I was like, you cannot open with that song. I'm like, because, yeah. look, I'm, in, I'm from the illusionist. I know how to clear a room, okay? <laughs> I've done it a lot of times. I can also tell you how to pad the set and sneak that shit in there so you like so after you've already won them over that's when you do it you know yeah and i noticed like earlier on there were nights where i'd see people wander in like hood river we were playing with no can do sure people had gone out to smoke and they started playing and they heard the music and they started coming back in they got in like just in time for that chorus oh, no. and went what and turned around and walked right back out <laughs> you know i was sitting by the merch table uh at the door and I, I saw people just come in and just turn right back around and go back out and have another smoke. And I'm like, ah, fuck. Like, <laughs> ah, so I was like, bury that shit a little bit back and then you will have hooked them already. Yeah. You know, um, stuff like that, I feel like makes a big difference. I'm glad that we don't have anything like in, in the Sammy Ogar stuff that's really that aggressive as I used to. Mm. You know, because there's, I don't think yeah, there's, there's much. Yeah, there's no pwned. Yeah, I don't think there's, there's much there's in there, too. There's content that's definitely aggressive. Sure. But the tone of it and the and the music isn't as harsh. Well, it's, it's, look at that. I totally forgot I had a Leonardo over there. A Leonardo? Yeah, look at that. I got a cardboard cutout. Oh, shoot. Ninja Turtle cardboard cutout. My parents gave that to me. Michelangelo is my favorite. Right before I left for tour, and I totally spaced out that that even happened. I haven't. I don't even know if I've been in this room yet. Did you see the movie that they did, the live-action one? Did, of course you, you did. You mean the, the recent one? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, has the sequel come out yet? Or is that I don't know. coming? Yeah, I, I waited to see it because I thought it wasn't, it, it wasn't really aimed at me. You know, like the original fans, it felt like it was something kind of for the new generation. That's what I had and, sort of heard. And I, sort I thought of like that was cool. So sort of like Transformers or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that, that's cool. You know, um, I'm glad that younger people are going to check that out and maybe dig back and see what we loved about it, you know, 25 years ago. But I ended up seeing it eventually, and actually I thought it was, it was, it was worth watching. It was decent. It was fun. And Johnny Knoxville was Leonardo, which I thought was really weird. Really? And totally worked. Huh. Um, okay. But yeah, it was cool, and I... I I wanted to not like Megan Fox as April O'Neil, and I ended up actually really enjoying it. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, it worked. And then cool. we played Turtles in Time on tour. Did you? Did you not play with us? No. Wait, what? Turtles in Time? Yeah. I don't know what that is, actually. You don't know what that is? You brought up Leonardo, and I don't know the Ninja Turtles well. I could name five characters. The Turtles and Master Splinter. God, at least no Shredders. <laughs> oh, Shredder, of course. But we we were um, at that arcade in uh, Billings, Montana, the other day. Oh yeah! And shout out to I smoked everyone at air was hockey. It called the Horns Arcade or something like that. We did the air hockey thing, and then we went and played random games. But I thought at one point we were trying to get all four of us on Turtles in Time, and like one of the slots was broken, and we ended up doing switching off like groups of threes. I thought. Well, if it was four of you guys, then I was out playing Pokemon Go at the time. Oh yeah, you left. 
I was deprived of Pokeballs, and I needed to go to the little triad of Pokestops that was a couple blocks away and refresh them each after five minutes. I don't really think at any point during this tour were you deprived of Pokey anything. <laughs> uh, we were constantly losing you, I felt like. <laughs> it's a genius model because the more you play, the more you need to, pl- to play. Uh, you run out of Pokeballs, and then you need to keep playing to get more Pokeballs, but you have to be in an urban area in those long drives... You're not catching. You're not getting Pokeballs, but you're catching Pokemon. So it's you can see the struggle. So it's drug addiction, the game. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. It's true. Need to re up. <laughs> I don't know if you know this about me. I smoke rocks. All right, Sam. What was your favorite show of the tour? What are you taking my shit over here? <laughs> Fucking thought you were gonna interview me later. I wanted to. Fucking. <laughs> My favorite show? Don't trust anything I say. Hey, we'll do an interview in December. December. Look out for that, world. Yeah. Gradient interviews Sammy Warhands. Sure, they'll be looking forward to that. (laughs) I guess if you're listening to this, you might. I don't know. (laughs) Fucking best show of the tour. Crowd-wise, honestly, Eugene, which was not the case last year. Mm-hmm. Or the tour before that. And I was really relieved. Yeah, the crowd of Eugene um, was great. Because I've had a lot of disappointing shows out here for a while. And I've really tried to spread them out. And only do shows where it's a CD release or opening for a bigger artist. And um, it just it wasn't working. You know, like last year when I dropped Vacant Eyes. It was my homecoming from tour, my album release, my 30th birthday, and we had Grayskull, and it was like nothing compared to the crowds we got, even for Bears Repeating or something. And yeah. and, and it was the same thing when I did the famous Last Words release with Chesky and Isid and uh, Tommy V. It was just like, how are we having these awesome lineups and people not coming out? So, So I took 10 months off. And turned down every time someone asked me to play because I, I was waiting for Rare Form to come out. Yeah. Somehow it worked, and we had a great turnout, and we sold a shitload of of Rare Form so. CDs and, and shirts, and I was Sweet. I was really re-energized by that. Nice. Um, it's a banging album, dude. Thanks, got, man. It's got some really hard tracks on it. Yeah, it felt, it. felt good to finally be able to kind of unleash that stuff because we've been sitting on it for so long and like we've done we've done tours and there'd be a night where like he'd open the tour i would close the tour i'd do a cameo in his set and then he would do like two songs in mine yeah or vice versa something like that we would usually do endless excuses and maybe hang on the beat or something but there were some nights where it'd be like you know, there's no openers or something like you want to do a longer set. Like, mm-hmm. cool, let's sneak in Unstoppable or nice. Break the Mold, you know. So we had kind of... Slubber to Gullion, right? No. No? We had, we had teased those other two songs for a while, but in January, I think it was I think it was New Year's Day or maybe the day after, this year we played at Gilman Street, 924 Gilman in Berkeley, which is like a famous punk club that I was really stoked on and... Isn't there a documentary about that one? Um, 
Probably. There's a book about it. Okay. Um, But yeah, they, they invited me to come out and play that. And I didn't tell anyone, but I said, I, I, I said to Doug, let's, let's kind of surprise them. I'll bring you. We'll do all of the new shit for the first time. Nice. And so he came down, I think, New Year's Eve, and we rehearsed all the songs for the first time, went out and played it. So that was the only time we'd ever performed these. So it felt really good to get out there and do those and um, have you up there already singing along to them. And yeah, stuff. exactly. Or, uh, well, I demanded to have a pre-release digital copy. Yeah, you you were quite <laughs> insistent upon that. You probably would have gotten one anyway. But yeah, yeah, it was cool uh, at the last show to have um, Eric Munch and Jory Turan come out because they're they're good friends of ours and part of the part of the reason that me and Doug started making music together. And uh, Eric mixed the album and made it made it sound great. And we fought and ended up coming up with a really good uh, record. Well, I mean, what was what did you fight over? What was the what was um, one of the biggest points of contention for that project? Um I had a track listing like this whole time. Oh, and okay. then I sent it to him and said, "If you got a better one." And we didn't really fight over it, but he just he just said, "This is the new track listing no matter what." Huh. And I made one ch- I made one change and he said, "Yeah, that's actually a good idea." He's like, "But it has to open with break the mold." has to close with good old days those are both great decisions i'm like all right cool because it was it was much different originally dizzy gillespie was two songs what yeah it was an intro called dizzy gillespie and it was an outro called dapper dan huh and because i had just written vacant eyes and um we had these two versions of the same beat from graves 33 okay and so I thought it would be great to open with one and close with the other. And Doug wrote a verse to Dizzy Gillespie, and it's not what you hear on the album. It's, it's a different one. Huh. Um, and mine was, was what it is. But you'll notice that when I come in, the beat changes. I'm a nobody, unknown MC. That yeah. one? Yeah, right there. When I come in, the beat changes, and it goes through this like filtered like tremolo thing um, in the melody part of the of the beat yeah so that's the other track that's like the remix version because what i had done is i wrote that verse and then i wrote a remix verse like i had done on vacant eyes so i'm referencing lines and playing off of it but making a whole new thing mm-hmm. um and i showed it to doug and he liked the idea but he's like fuck if i'm first and this is the first song it's like i gotta have a better verse okay so he wrote like a bunch of different verses and we were trying to decide like which song to put which verse on and whatever and eventually we were like you know what let's just take the best verse from each of us and make one track and so it i think it ended up working out better but um and then you didn't even play it on the road no well there's songs that have scratch choruses that really need that um, yeah, like Dizzy and and Exodus, and uh, I'm not sure if there's any others, but you know we had stuff like that on Break the Mold too. Like, you know, it's hard to play Lovejoy live. You know, we had a workaround 
mm-hmm. that we would do, but it's not as it's not as good. So I don't know. We we kind of um, just made the decision. We we have stronger choruses on this album. We wanted to use them. You know. Yeah, they're good. What was your um, highlight of the trip? Good question. I mean, show wise, honestly, I really liked that last show we did in Seattle. Yeah, that was that was a good way to go. That out. was there was a common theme of the tour, which was this looks like it might be falling apart. Is this <laughs> show gonna happen? Yeah. Uh, is it gonna happen well? Will anyone care? Will anyone be here? Sometimes, well, no one ends up showing up, and no one cares. That's rare, but there are also times in Seattle when we keep finding out that finding out information about the show, like oh, it's going to be a two-hour show instead of a three or four-hour show. Yeah, it's supposed to be three hours, which is already cutting it close, mm-hmm. making everyone shorten their shit. Then we had to do it again, mm-hmm. and then the sound guy wasn't there, and we were like trying to set up their equipment well into the part where the music was already supposed to happen, <laughs> and then didn't even have stereo sound at the. Sh- yeah, we had one working main <laughs> and and two monitors, one of which I just kicked over. Yeah. So the audience could kind of hear it in stereo. <laughs> but yeah. I was wondering yeah. about that. There were some shows. But then that went like off. That. Yeah, that was good. Um people seemed to really be responding to my punchlines and the stage was near the bar, which was nice. Yeah. Because people at the bar were actually hearing it and liking it. Um, you know, there were shows like in Missoula. We played Stage 112, and the bar is really far from the stage. Yeah. And so it's just a completely segregated, here's the here's the people who are listening to music, and here's the people that are just drinking, and they're on their night out drinking, right? And there's no overlap, really. Yeah, the layout of a venue will make a huge difference. Totally. Like, I mean, that show we did in Iowa City, had that back patio not been there, that would have felt like a lot better show. Yeah, know, because, but everybody was just... Because everyone's so dispersed through the whole place. You know, there's the pool tables in the back, and there's the back patio and everything. Yeah. You know, but if if that was a little tighter, there was it actually was like, enough people to have a good show. It was like the the layout of the venue was like the long Tetris brick. brick. It was yeah. like a really long Tetris brick, and then the stage is sort of in like the middle of it. Yeah, and there's people behind and people way in the front, um, and then only a handful of people checking out the show. But what are you gonna do? Yeah, and that happens. Um, I'm curious as to were there any, like, I mean, obviously, there's a lot, but anything you take from a learning experience, like any anything that pops out to you, like, hmm. um. Like, oh, shouldn't have tried that. Or or like, oh, this reacts better than I thought. Or, you know, is there anything out there that uh, that you took away as a performer? Well, there are things that I think, um, I don't know. I sometimes plan to do things in my head and then forget to do them because I'm thinking of other things to do. Um, <laughs> and so I think I could have planned out better, like, crowd participation uh, earlier on in the tour um, and figured out a way to do that. I would love to have, uh, you know, call and response moments. Um, but I only ever really tried to even do that kind of thing towards the end. Yeah, when, which which I thought was actually a good idea for that song. 
cool yeah so on it ain't nothing uh i asked you and the other guys on the tour to back me up on the it ain't nothing it ain't nothing it ain't nothing so i i just sort of signaled the second one but i do the first one it ain't nothing and then i hold the mic out and then people sort of know and because you guys are helping with that then other people sort of know to also do it and i can take a breath because that it ain't nothing song for whatever reason the way i wrote it is just like hell to do live like yeah there's no it's not there's even no gaps for there's you, really. hardly even any fast parts in the song but they're just didn't write in any pauses uh yeah and i just go the chorus goes straight into the verse and the verse goes almost straight into the chorus my only break is the robotic girl voice saying it, it ain't, ain't nothing, nothing. <laughs> that, yeah. that's my only break um well the thing about rapping so, though so i so wish that i had yeah. the singing is like there's no melody there's no up and down and and so you're just constant within a, a very narrow margin. You're doing kind of the same note through like a whole song, more or less. Yeah. And it's incredibly taxing. Yeah. You know, like people don't realize they're like, oh, yeah, you're just talking on a beat. But like, no, it's actually more strenuous. Like it's as a person who's done folk stuff and punk stuff and hardcore and rapping, like rapping is just as hard on your voice as like screaming the whole time sure because it's just one level of exertion the whole time yeah there's, you have to have those breaks or you struggle yeah so i think a learning thing was for me as a solo artist going out there knowing that no one would know who i was for the most part i wanted to just go out there stand up there alone and just rock my shit and impress people with how my lyrical skill and my flow and things like that. And I wasn't even really thinking about engaging them. I was thinking of more just like showing out for them and entertaining them. Mm -hmm. And so I think that as I went on, I started to think more critically about how can I engage the audience? Um, and I would just do a I would feel a little more comfortable doing the corny rapper stuff. How you feel in the night billings, you know, that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. but also just having real genuine moments where I'm, where I'm looking into their eyes and I'm selling them on stuff and, you know, a little bit of crowd participation stuff and things like that. Yeah. So it's a fine line for me because, you know, you want to. I mean, you don't just want to go up there and play and play and play and never stop and say anything. Yeah. But a lot of it is so corny to me, you know? Yeah. Because there's no effect song that comes to mind. He's like, how y'all doing tonight? You condescending fucks made me want to laugh and puke at the same time. <laughs> like, you know, it's just the same thing every city. You know, it's like, how do you keep it fun? How do you make it sincere but not sound like, oh, I say this every night, you know? Yeah. Where everyone's like, oh, this is the best city on the whole tour, you know, whatever. Like, that, just that kind of shit that people say. Yeah. And the crowd participation, too. Like, if you have every set doing crowd participation it's like jesus give me a break you know like yeah i'm just trying to watch the show mm -hmm. but if you have it in the right places then it's like oh shit yeah this is this is fun like this is a a cool little detour in the show sure you know otherwise it ends up like now do this now do that now put your hands up now don't now simon says <laughs> you know i don't like that shit yeah, I get that. How about the, uh, aside from the shows, were there any um, new cities that you went to 
made any sort of impression, good or bad. Yeah, shout out to Fargo, North Dakota. Spacious Walmart parking lot. Um, <laughs> I was mean, it, wait, was that the one with the underground uh, parking garage? Oh thing? man, I don't think it was that one. But okay. holy gosh, which one was that? Um, there was a Walmart that legitimately had an underground parking garage under it. It looked like Riverbend Hospital if you're if you're from here in Eugene. And um, they had a parking lot outside it in the back. Yeah. So I got out. I just wanted to go take a dump, you know. And luckily, I had shoes on. I walked and it was just like it was taking forever. And you it's texted impossibly me, far. And you texted me and said, "This looks like an airport terminal." Yeah, when you, you go in and there's like double escalators on each yeah, side, going and either way, and there's a huge opening uh, kind of reception area where there's fucking barely even any carts. There's just a huge area of yep. nothing. <laughs> like, yeah, it didn't make any sense. Yeah, it was a weird <laughs> place, but that's that's where I got Angie's uh, poop pillow the poop emoji pillow perfect because that was the place where you just randomly stopped at for long enough to sleep and leave right yeah i think so though we did that a lot as a thing um it was a lot of getting to the shows playing the show and then going to the walmart that night <laughs> and and staying in their parking lot yeah uh, and then the way that the rv was working which was super luxurious and awesome generally speaking yeah everyone had their own beds and stuff yeah while we were driving, most of, for the most of the time, the windows were covered up, uh, and so I wouldn't even really know where we were uh, until I'd pull out Pokemon Go, and then uh, <laughs> I'd see a lot of Pokestops, and I'd be like, "Okay, we hit Denver." So that's your compass right. for the tour. <laughs> and then uh, when when Ogar, this Burl thing's was... not going to be popular in like just a few weeks, and then this whole thing is so dated now. Yeah, right. But I'm still a loyal Pokemon fan. Um, and when Ogar Burl was driving. Um, he would, uh, especially in like Nebraska, Montana, those places, Iowa, he would scream with joy, corn guys, look at this <laughs> because we were driving through nothing but fucking cornfields, like nothing but cornfields for days. It seemed like, yeah. And, uh, that was his game to keep himself amused. I actually thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, I think there's documentaries about how everything has corn in it. Yeah. High fructose corn syrup is in everything. Now we know why, because there it is. It sustains the entire Midwest. Yeah, it it, it really <laughs> must, because there's so much. And even yesterday when we still had our group text, and uh, I just sent corn, and Doug responds, Oh my God, where? Because <laughs> he was so, that was his that was his shit when he was driving. Yep. I mean, I feel like I was getting to see parts of towns and cities that I don't normally see just because we're playing, you know, small venues that I hadn't even heard of or, or seen. You know, I'd never heard of Honey. And I was, I've, mm, I've yeah. been in Minneapolis a ton of times playing. We were in a whole entire different part of Seattle that I'm used to going to. I always go to Safeco Field and watch a baseball game. Yeah, I'd have, I was surprised that when we, when we got out of the RV, I had been sleeping. And I'm looking around going, are we in Seattle? Like, I fucking <laughs> played up here a million times, and yeah. I don't recognize this at all. Yeah, Columbia City um, Theater. <laughs> yeah, it's like the south, like the most south part of town, I guess. That's what Eric and Jory were seeing. It was a yeah. lot different. But I, I like, we did a little bit of exploring. I mean, we talked about Billings with Arcade. Um, you know, went and ch- checked out a movie. True. First half of the trip, we hit up some record stores. Um 
you know, record exchange in uh, Boise is one of my favorites. We do Music Millennium in Portland. Twist and Shout in Denver. Yeah, Twist and Shout's always my favorite, man. They This time, they had the entire 33 and a third book series, and I was fucking stoked on that, about like four Crazy. of them. Uh, Those things are like good writing and a quick, easy read. Yeah. Yeah, I always check the reviews, though, too, because um, from what I've heard, they're kind of inconsistent. Yeah, they're all by different people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know exactly what qualifies one to be a 33 and a third volume. But, um, yeah, I'm excited to read these new ones. I'm, I'm always, like, burning through music biographies. Yeah. And then, like, I'll buy a bunch, read them all, and I'm like, fuck, I don't have anything to read at work. <laughs> <laughs> My job is slow. Oh, the and actual... I really enjoyed um, getting to meet Kathy. Yeah, I was going to say, in terms of the actual, like, cities, not the shows, but... It's always great to be in in Minneapolis, and it was it was cool that you know all my friends really came through and had us over or went out, you know, yeah. fed us and whatever. Like that was great. And she showed us ENA Studios. Yeah, it's pretty and awesome. That was a pretty amazing thing. And Brady was there, and sh- just seeing a bunch of really cool Crush Kill merch, like four different albums by Sadistic on vinyl, like things I didn't know existed. Yeah, you know. And I ended up getting from Brady uh, the Many Faces of Oliver Hart mm-hmm. vinyl on triple vinyl, which is really cool because side F, the third disc, and the the reverse side of it is just like the the album artwork, like textured into the vinyl. It's not, it doesn't play. Yeah, it's like an etching of that book could be Many Faces design. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, they did a really, really great job with the reissue on that. Yeah, we had Sloppy Joes and corn. Mm. It was so nice every time that somebody fed us. Like This tour, we definitely didn't have places to stay way more often than I'm used to. But when we did have places to stay... They rocked the house. They were fucking, you know, feeding us <laughs> and going all out. Like, you know, it, it was awesome. We had some, some good good meals. We had some people cooking for us at 3 in the morning. We had... People cooking for us yeah, three Mike times, Radian. you know. We had people had us. Two different people had us to their restaurants, you know. We had that's true. We yeah, we we did. We ate pretty well on this trip. Yeah, we went to the pig ate my pizza in Minneapolis, another place I hadn't heard of. Yeah, went there with my friend Michelle. Yeah, yeah, and she was met up with she was great. Yeah, always good to see Terrell. If you guys are uh, uh, listening to this show, you should probably. Keep an eye out for the tour I'm on with him. The world has no idea. Be showing the the documentary about idea, and it'll be sets from me and him and DJ Abilities. Um, I'll be on that starting September 9th in Phoenix. We'll be hitting Vegas, LA, Fresno, Oakland, and Seattle on the first leg, and then doing some Midwest dates in October. Also listen to the previous episode of this where I sat down with the director, Brandon Croson. But yeah, that'll be cool. I haven't got to tour with Carnage in, I don't know, probably three years, even though we've done a lot of shows. Yep. Fun backstory about that uh, previous episode with Brandon Croson. You guys did that in the RV. Yeah, after, in Minneapolis, the, after, after the Honey Show. show. While well, the rest of us had to wait in the rain. <laughs> well, you guys well that army. was that whole thing was planned. <laughs> That's the true. whole them kicking you out of the thing was not expected, and I didn't know that. Well, we 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 got to stay in the venue and hang out with CMJ 
and uh, I think the security guy or something. Um, so we weren't in the rain, but it was raining. So you're lying to me then. You guys made that up the whole time? <laughs> because when I, I was getting the guilt trip when I got out. Art is a lie. Nothing is real. That, that's fucking, this is all performance art. It's fucking bullshit. <laughs> I don't like it. So how was my miserable ass to deal with? That's that's what I'm curious about. Because okay, the first half of the tour, I was coming out of a fucking months-long studio binge on other projects and dealing with depression and other fucking things, and then thrust into this tour, which is always jarring, but then also not being in control of it, and first show being canceled and then saved and then you know breaking down and all this shit so i was like i was not a happy person for the first probably nine ten days or something <laughs> well i've never expected happiness and contentment out of you well i know luckily but i felt like <laughs> we have a, a relationship we've spent a lot of time together but i was also just curious that like you were out there all wide-eyed and like, yeah, <laughs> and like your happiness was irritating to me, <laughs> and I think that was pretty clear. I'm really used to people being irritated by my happiness. Really? Yep. Oh, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> it alienates people. That's weird. Um, I don't know what to do about it, yeah, because like tangibly I'm like, wait, I'm having a negative impact by being happy. <laughs> all I this positivity is bringing them down. <laughs> What's going on? The times when you are pissed off about something, it's usually because, well, that's a pretty reasonable thing to be pissed off about. The doorknob fell out of the of the bathroom door, and you were locked in. I wasn't mad about that. <laughs> you I was were just yelling for, help. for a moment. I just needed help. There was a moment when we weren't sure we could get you out. Yeah, that would have been fun. <laughs> that would have been fun. But I trust that you have such a good grip over what needs to happen at a given time, all the, at all the times. And because I've known you longer than I've known anybody else who was on the tour, having you know only just recently True. met Skeptic and Double Dragon, like the night before the tour started, not knowing Doug very well, um, don't underestimate my, underestimate my tolerance for people who aren't as happy as me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, used to it, man. I mean, and I felt like in the like I look at the tour kind of in two halves, and I kind of cut it at Denver, like the first half were mostly the better, bigger shows, or at least more like enthusiastic shows, but I was having a harder time personally. And then the second half, you know, once we got out of the mechanics place and sure. everything was fixed up and like... Having and, to go to like a skeptic. giant mechanic that fixes semi-trucks yeah, so that we could fix a weird issue with the RV. And like me and Skeptic had a... A talk about like you know he i i think he was expecting me to run more this time and i was going this is your thing i don't know what's happening most of the time you sure. know and so once we like sorted everything out it was like right the same day that everything was getting fixed with with that so like on all levels after that i was like much happier and in normal tour mode really enjoyed for the most part the the rest of the trip um, you know, now I'm now I'm like ready to go out again next week, but you know prior to that sure. I was like fuck, I just want to go finish my records. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, I could see the moments when there was something for you to get excited about where I'd be like, 
it's extra fun when Sam's happy because that's not very often. <laughs> like Tokyo Joe's in Denver. Like you discovered that the venue we were playing, Quixote's True Blue, was like right in the neighborhood where we were going to be staying. Anyway. Yeah, it was across the street from the, the my friend Kelly's apartment, who I always stay like, at. Yeah, it was like we pulled up to it, and I went, "Wait, this is the parking lot that I park in." What? What? That's the fucking place. Like I've walked by this door like a million times. Yeah. So that yeah, that was nice. Like when everything was going wrong that day, or the for a couple of days, and then we landed there. I'm like, sweet. Now I feel grounded. You know, I know this block. I'm gonna be with my friend tonight. I'm gonna eat a good meal. You know, we're not gonna be sleeping in a Walmart. You know, that was a great <laughs> room that we played in too. Yeah, I like that place. Really cool. That it was, was cool. So we weren't sure which room we'd play at first because we showed up and there was our names were not on the chalkboard. Marky. There were no flyers up. Mm-hmm. That but, happened quite but a bit. We got the better room out of that. Yeah. Uh, so that that kind of worked well for there's us. There's like the bar room and then there's the venue room that also has a bar. We played the venue room and there was like cool like and they kind of let us cool run, tie-dye tapestries run the board our, on our own and you yeah. know they set it up and just said here you go and so yeah Denver was fun. I I liked that show. That was a good show. Who were some people that you especially enjoyed playing with or seeing play with us? Um Denku comes to mind because I didn't know who he was at all and he put on a great show and when Rambunctious went up there and had forgotten his beats. This was in Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah. And he forgot his beats. I was going, Oh fuck, this is gonna be <laughs> like I've seen that happen before where a dude just goes up and spits a bunch of acapellas and it's super awkward and every song sounds the same, you know. And I was bracing myself. And, like, we were already at this place, like, four hours early in this total, like, you know, podunk-looking... Dive bar. Yeah. It looked like it was in, you know, it looks, Springfield feels like we or stepped, Thurston. feels like we stepped into the Nixon years. <laughs> it was pretty much... I mean, it reminds me of places that we went when we were filming the Evan Gets Drunk in Arms Race music video mm-hmm. scene, like, out on Main Street in Springfield, like... And they were just, like, only playing classic rock. Those kind of, yeah, places. And um, and then all of a sudden it flipped and turned into a rap show. It's kind of like what happened at Mojo's last year in Fremont, California. Um, that was the Double Dragon release show um, for Y-Wolves. But uh, it was that, that kind of a, a switch flipped. And then he goes up there and says, I don't have my fucking beats. I'm like, oh, God, like, we're finally in rap mode and it's not gonna happen and yeah. then Denku walk up there and just starts beatboxing yeah pretty well and like really well saved it and rambunctious starts tearing it up and then they both start uh like freestyling and then they actually the did throw on scratching yeah and then they did throw on um one of their collab tracks and i'm like holy shit like they totally saved this moment and yeah, then gutter and noise. then yeah, yeah yeah gutter noise and uh Go to, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. and then uh, he he did his whole set, and I was like totally relieved that <laughs> that we were actually having a good show by that point because yeah, there were so many. I mean, like you said, Red there's flags. a number of shows, a number of shows on the tour where you get there, and every sign points to this is not going to be a good night, and it ended up being pretty cool. So 
Yeah, Portland, the very first show. Fuck. Yeah, that that was bad. <laughs> it was like uh, there's a there's a family emergency that the promoter had to deal with, and and so we lost the venue, and then we lost our guarantee, and then me yep. and me and Skeptic were hitting up every venue we could think of, even in Salem too, and couldn't find anybody who would host the show, and. Ogar Burrow was like, hey, there's a a bar kind of in my neighborhood that I just go to sometimes. I don't think they do shows, but I'll ask them. And he went to the Big Lebowski, and they said yes, and it's a Big Lebowski-themed bar, and it was super cool. And, um, and you made the very best banter joke that I'd heard on the entire tour yes. at the Big Lebowski. Uh Either before or after God Paparazzi. It's right, right in the beginning of God Paparazzi. Because there's always a transition of like, I walk off, Doug does determination, mm-hmm. and then I walk back on, and he leaves. And that, I said, nobody fucks with the Jesus. <laughs> and, and just you guys who knew the song uh, laughed, but they, I think, I think it went over really well. Yeah. And then I did it again in Seattle because it was the very last night of the tour just True. just to bookmark it or just to oh yeah to bookend it I did that um but it didn't seem appropriate to do in other places cuz no one would get why it was funny <laughs> but yeah that was fun yesterday really was uh it, it did a number on me man driving driving till 6 in the morning and then was it yesterday that we got sh- back? showering and all that shit yeah, I, I went to bed at oh, 7 a.m. Yeah, Dang. 7 a.m. yesterday morning, I went to bed, and uh, I think I got up at like 12, 12.30, napped again at 4. I was on your, <laughs> you know, yeah, I was just like, I need schedule. to sleep again. And, uh, man, I'm kind of out of it. But, yeah, like this tour, I don't know if it was just because it was less familiar in that we played a lot of new territory, and we also... Uh, we're not in my van, so it was just kind of two things that were a little more foreign to me. But yeah, something about it, or maybe it's just that it had been a year, but I was like more homesick than usual, I think, on yeah. this one. Um, I think, uh, I know Danny and Doug were feeling it too. So it's been nice, actually, to get back. Normally I dread coming back, and today I just went to work. I got there on time. Which never happens. Yeah. I actually feel pretty good. That, yeah. That trip just wiped me out. I needed to come home and be in my own bed. But it was great, man. I love being out with Double Dragon. Like, those guys are really cool dudes. Like, I can't they stress really them are. enough. They're good guys. They put on a good show. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really fun. I mean, speaking of homesickness and frustrations, four out of the five of us are in committed relationships. Yeah. Um so that I think contributed with all of us of like the frustration of like, uh, yeah, I'm not home right now. I could be home right now with a person that I really enjoy. Yeah, which really <laughs> like we we had some days off on this on this tour, which is more than I usually have. Um, you know, I try to play every single day if possible, and we were just we were going into some tough markets, you know. 
Totally. The middle New- America is, is a lot of cornfields and not a lot of rap shows, you know? Yeah. So we were struggling in a couple places and, you know, we didn't, we didn't, normally we'd play in Salt Lake on the way to Denver and you still got to drive through all of Wyoming and got nothing, <laughs> you know, but this time we didn't even have that. Um, cause it's just a, it's just a tough place, you know, it's not a big market. And so the more of those days off that you have, the more idle time and, you know, when you're not getting paid, you're not shelling out for motel rooms and stuff. So you're kind of slumming it. And so like, I feel like those are the things that really contribute to the homesickness because the more you're distracted and the more you're selling CDs and, and, you know, meeting new local artists and stuff like that, like, like I probably didn't even really text home much the first few days. Yeah. Um, because it was just constant shit going on, you know. And then once it started to slow down, <laughs> that's when all the calls home starts happening, you know. Yeah. Um, so that, I think that made a, a a pretty big impact on that as well. Yeah, I really understand, like, the rejuvenation at the end of every night of getting to play a show. Yeah. You know, and you get on stage and you got the mic in your hand and it's your moment. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's just, it's a really awesome feeling and getting love from people out on the road. I mean, like, like I said, I did more live shows, twice as many live shows on this tour than I had ever done in rap before. Yeah. I've done stuff with bands. Um, but yeah, it was amazing. Um, and just genuinely getting to meet people at, at each show who, you know, you're going to keep up with and who like your stuff and maybe they're musicians and you like their stuff and it feels like a real community. Totally. And and what you said about just kind of having that night or that moment every night, it, it makes a huge difference because even if I am having a bad day or if I'm missing uh, my wife or whatever, the moment that we dig into that first song, it all goes away, you know? Yeah. With very few exceptions. I think there was only one night where it was like, I can't even remember where, where I felt like I didn't go as hard as I should have because I was like down about, I don't know if it was the turnout or, or what it was. Um, but like, I mean, every night except except one, I felt like, you know, I gave a real good performance and I felt better about myself every time, you know. That there was one where you didn't feel that way? I, yeah, I can't remember where it was, but I felt like like I was going through the motions or something. Mm. That might have been Iowa City. And then, Interesting. And then afterward... I get um, that. The, that was a low-energy show. Yeah. And then, then afterward, the ladies who were working the sound... Um, they were awesome. Yeah, they were great. And, Gabe's. and the one was telling me that she had done sound for Sage a bunch of times and all these other artists who had come through there and... Um, and she was very complimentary about our set and I remember, you know, feeling good about it cause some, some, it's really easy to forget. Even me, I've done it a million times, but, uh, I've done it a million times where you see people playing pool in the background or sitting at the bar and there's no one standing in front of you. Yep. You know, maybe you guys <laughs> are off selling merch or something, but there's no one there at all, um, within 20 feet of the stage and it's like I tried to be there Jesus Christ you know yeah and the small nights we all try to be there for each other 
Um, but sometimes it's unavoidable. Once in a while, you're going to be like, fuck, you know, this sucks. Why isn't anyone paying attention? There's people here. We're killing it. These are good songs. We just finished this album. Fuck, you know. And, and then we, like, were, we, we revert for- to the, like, we came all the way from Oregon. What's up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah. And and I, you know, I used to like straight up like play to the people in the back of the room like aggressively. You yeah. Know? Like in the old DFS days, that's the shit I would do. Uh, I still have to remember on those down nights that maybe the bartender or maybe the person who's sitting in the back of the room like on their phone Maybe yep. they're fucking listening, and maybe that's the person that's going to come up and buy your shit and, and be like, oh, I can't wait to show my friends this. Like, it's so good. You guys killed it. Even for no one, you played such a good show, you know. And that was one of the nights I got that afterward and went, fuck, yeah, I know. I got to snap out of this. <laughs> nice. So it's good to have those reminders because it's not a glamorous thing touring. You know, people think, oh, it's so cool. You guys are going out there. You know, it's like, yeah, but it's also really fucking tough. Yeah. You know? And some nights you're playing for five people, and that is discouraging. But when you play for five people and three of them buy your stuff and the other two tell you they like the songs, then fuck, you're doing something right. Yeah. You know, that's my takeaway when that stuff happens uh, is that maybe it's it's hard for us to find uh, a larger crowd to be yeah. in front of but every time the people that see us are feeling it you know? yeah it's it's a good thing i mean it's just quality we all put on a good show i'll just be honest about it <laughs> you know we brought it there wasn't it was a strong it was a strong show one thing that i enjoyed from this from this tour uh, mostly in like the rv and just in the commute and stuff was i would just get to ask you about lyrics that i didn't get or that i didn't pick up <laughs> Yeah, that happened record. a few times. It's funny because a couple of years ago you said on Even Iller, I think, I'm not a technical rapper and I'm not insane. Yeah. And yet, nowadays, I think I, you know, there's more stuff that is technical. I would at least categorize it that way. I don't know what you mean by technical. Well, I guess what I meant is that, like, there's some guys who are almost like, mathematical in the way that they rap you know like yeah. if you think of a tech nine or a guy like that you know whose intent is just rapid fire tongue twister stuff and all this crazy shit yeah um for me it was always like in the early days i'm gonna throw in a million fucking obscure references <laughs> and people would not get them and not get them until they got them. You know? Yeah. I liked that. It had kind of replay value. It's but, fun. But yeah, that line I was basically saying like, you know, like I'm a punk rocker. I go up here and yell shit at you, you know, mm-hmm. essentially that, especially at that time, that's what I was doing. And there's some guys who just seem up, seem to go out there and just effortlessly like, you know, that's not me. I get that. So that's kind of what I was saying with that. Yeah, but, man. But there I are mean, layers to it. Yeah. When you have a run, though, that is what I would consider kind of technical, it all makes sense, and the lyrics are purposeful, and that's why I liked asking you about them. Like on Slubber to Gullion. Yeah. Some of the up-and-comers are suddenly selling when we're summoning some of them from their slumber to discover another summer tour. 
Y'all can suck on manure. <laughs> yeah, I. The only thing I don't I like about that run. About that. The only thing I don't like about that run is that I said some twice. Twice. Yeah, I noticed. But, that. but I really, I really liked it, and that song was. That song was kind of our some fucking eights of this album, where it's just a, a little Mike Passer, you know. Yeah. That was a little bit goofy, but I think I felt I like, like people would laugh when Doug would do his verse, and you would be out front, sometimes in front of the stage, like engaging the crowd. Yeah. On the dance on the floor, and he would just come up with his giant ass claws and grab your face and push you back. Yeah. And say, "I'm the woolly bully taking your lunch." Yeah. It was cool. It was cool. Yeah, I like I like playing with him. It's a different kind of. It's weird because in music, together, I'm I still generally will call the shots or have the influence on where things are going. But like, sure. But when it's just me and him on a human level, he's still kind of like my big brother. You know. That makes sense. So he'll he'll still throw me around a little bit or fuck with me. You know, and I I like that he does that shit on stage. It's funny. Yeah, he's a funny guy because he's just a giggly goofy dude through and through yeah not a not at all what you expect yeah from the dude's rhymes but and you know soft i don't know if soft spoken is the right word he's, he's sparse with his words yeah um but yeah and then he'll just get up there and that's his time to kill it and he just brings out enough aggression for three of me you know? <laughs> yeah um and just fucking launches into it and rips it up like that guy loves hip-hop yeah, that's one thing I just learned. I learned, you know, he he was showing me scratch records that I should check out. You know, DJ Qbert stuff, mm -hmm. Twist and Shout, like going through record bins. Um, he's always wanting to find the used hip hop, and it's awesome. Yeah, that dude lives and breathes it. A lot of the artists that I listen to are people that he played for me first. Word. You know, so that's like what I do for my buddy Brian. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Brian. Yeah, shout out to Brian. Stevenson without an N. No N. Yeah. He rocked with us one show. He did the alliteration verse. I was doing that first, that song in the set early on, and then I stopped doing it. Yeah. I had a moment that I would use to mention after after he played with us at Eugene, I would do the show a song a couple times and say, I'm going to do this song where there's two bars for every letter of the alphabet. The middle verse is, verse is by my friend Brian Stevenson. He's not here. He's Mexican. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> so when I mentioned that I'm Mexican in the verse, just know that that's him and not me. I don't think that anyone would have even thought that. Like, e even Nobody's going to be like, hey, wait a minute. But even You're the way that that line is worded doesn't doesn't really say I am. Okay, okay, point. Sam. Say the, say the line. Um, it's like merrily. Merry melodic Mexican. But I don't remember the stuff leading up to it. Yeah, but that doesn't... Yeah, I mean, it was just a little run like that. But to me, it didn't... Like the next line, when you say... Mighty Morphin Movie Major, Merry Melodic Mexican, Meticulously Mustering Music, is, is my, my method, method man. man. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Cool like, I, I, I didn't really... Uh, I heard the preface every night and thought, no, no one's going to think that when they hear it, I felt like. Well, I guess I got to still use it to make a joke about how maybe I am Mexican, huh? How can you tell? I mean, you got that bilingual like a camera's manual. Maybe they thought, <laughs> you know, maybe they thought your second language was line. Spanish. They didn't know. <laughs> I like that line. <laughs> I like a lot of your quote-unquote dumb lines. Thanks. They make me laugh. 
Well, as you saw when we made the record, but <laughs> um, one thing that yeah. was great about this tour is that we brought back something that I've always liked to do, um, and that me and Ogar Burl had done on previous tours where we'd bring everybody up for the closing song. And that was I thought great. it was nice that we were able to do it gradually in that we play our set, and there's a part he has a song, there's a part I have a song, and then we do more of our set together as a group. And then we brought you up for excuses, the remix. That was always one of the, I would, I mean, I don't know. I would say that one went well almost every night. That song always works. Yeah, I've never had it not work. Yeah, that it sucks when I go on solo tours or do solo shows without an that, Ogar Burl on the bill. Yeah, because that song I feel like is is always a winner in my set. Yeah. So we bring you up for that, and then we bring up Double Dragon. And, and, and do have amateur everybody art. on the closer and and it's a really big deal to me that that when people see my tours that it doesn't just look like a bunch of random acts and that it yeah you go out there and there is a cohesive group of artists you know and I I I thought it it meant a lot to me that we were able to do that every night if I think of the best example of of that was the Bears repeating tour that's what I remember. Yeah. hearing about yeah and that ebb one and ki design and ogar burl and you yeah and so like i would do a cameo in in the ogar burl set and then you know ebb and ki would do stuff in each other's and then at the end we had everybody so you guys uh, were do, doing four sets that none that too uh no ebb and ki kind of combined and it was, it. but it was like a mix of like solo stuff and stuff that ended up on coffee table clutter and architect songs Cool. Um, so it was kind of a variety, but but yeah, it was it was definitely like we all worked together on that on that tour. That's, and I think Ki would come up and do excuses as well in the same way that we had you come up and do it before, makes sense. before the closer. And I think we did deluxe edition for that. But that was the first time I was like, "Fuck, okay, we all got it now." You know, we all got little cameos. This is totally working. And um, so to bring it back to that was really nice, especially with five people. You know, this is the most artists i've ever had on one tour yeah um uh individuals and uh to bring that up for the finale was was really cool yeah yeah the performances went well you know i would say yeah i i only have one tour to i I don't have any frame of reference for like how well the tour went overall i didn't i didn't move that much merch especially towards the end yeah but man when we were on stage and we were doing it, I feel like it was going well, and the people who were there were, were digging it. Yeah, yeah. and uh, again, when you're playing these dinky little shows, as some of them are, especially the the new cities, you know, sometimes it takes me, you know, three or four or five times of playing a place before I finally get, you know, a good one there. Sure. And and that's that's the way I can always tell, you know, even if they didn't promote it, there's no flyer. Yeah. The opener doesn't show up. That happened once. Um, you know, no matter what happens, the people who are there always feel it. Yeah. You know? And that's that's how we know. Maybe the marketing wasn't right or whatever. The music is right. So, yeah. you know, we're doing okay. But that's about all I've got for you. Awesome. Um, just wanted to thank everybody who either was a promoter on the shows or had us 
to your house or to your restaurant or, you know, bought merch from us. Uh, Absolutely. I, I could say that, that me and Ogar Burrow were very pleased with the reception of Rare Form um, and how, how quickly that it's been moving. We were, we were really kind of taken aback by that. So thank you guys for that. And um, yeah, I have a lot of extra shirts gradientmusic.com slash merch I'm, I'm wearing a limited edition version of it right now limited to only one and it was cool the website I went through to get the shirts uh, I did my main order but then I could swap out limited color I could I could basically do like instead of a red shirt because I have a red one and a white one I could also do a green one instead of a red one for exactly the same price yeah so I got like eight shirts that are just only special i only got like four mediums and four larges just for my my real close close homies so thanks man we're a well glad the to only have one. green gradient japanese iconography t-shirt it matches my japanese kit kats that you got me it does green <laughs> tea yeah awesome cool man well, well thanks glad. so much for taking me out man it was uh it was a great experience it had me wishing that i had new music out <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so hopefully enough times where i regret not having music out will add up and just really motivate me to just hey write some music to have out uh so updates on that in the indefinite future cool man well uh <laughs> i was i was glad to have you out there and watching you uh evolve every night you know it was cool word and not in a Pokemon way. <laughs> um, so That's funny. Yeah. Thanks for uh, coming on tour. Thanks for doing the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Sam. Appreciate it. All right. We're wrapping it up with Endless Excuses, the Tommy V remix featuring Ogar Burl and Gradient. If it's the first of the month, pay your goddamn rent. If you're following your dreams, then run for president. Because talk doesn't matter if there isn't any action. I wanna be a scientist, not a chemical reaction. If it's the first of the month, pay your goddamn rent. If you're following your dreams, then run for president. Because talk doesn't matter if there isn't any action. I wanna be a scientist, not a chemical reaction. I'm tired of the endless excuses, the bullshit the average asshole produces When I proclaim disdain for getting jacked off in place of progress They ask me to back off in a manner so passive-aggressive I'd be less offended if they instructed me to fuck off at the first mention of responsibility or involvement If you're not interested, I'll be fine, I'll find another way to solve it But don't fucking leave me on or patronize me To waste the time on either side It might be a better idea just to be open and honest And you can think I'm a prick, at least you know I call it how I see it Never leaving you believe in anything Although then exactly what I presented Reputation cemented The antithesis of disappointment I won't lower expectations I reject your complacency for conformance If it's the first of the month Pay your goddamn rent If you're following your dreams Then run for president Because talk doesn't matter If there isn't any action I wanna be the scientist Not the chemical reaction If it's the first of the month Pay your goddamn rent If you're following your dreams Then run for president Because talk doesn't matter If there isn't any action I wanna be the scientist Not the chemical reaction I wanna network, connect, and get shit done Not sitting around like it comes when it comes where you at 
I'm raring to go We wanna get it while I got my game face, you know But yo, waiting on a slacker ass individual The task gets placed on a back burner It turns to ash, I just write like a song and a half And the time it takes to say you might wanna pass Let me guess, something came up, you got sleepy Least you could do is let me know you wouldn't see me But you leave me hanging I'm blowing in the wind, talks nothing but loose change Until you cash in, you know me I'm always down for action, relaxed in the back and poised to bring the passion. And I don't need an excuse to get busy, got enough of those coming from folks who fuck with if me. If it's the first of the month, pay your goddamn rent. If you're following your dreams, then run for president. Because talk doesn't matter if there isn't any action. I wanna be a scientist, not a chemical reaction. If it's the first of the month, pay your goddamn rent. If you're following your dreams, then run for president. Because talk doesn't matter if there isn't any action. I wanna be a scientist, not a chemical reaction. Leave a message after the tone. Oh, guys, I can't make it today. Uh, my cat got AIDS, and then it scratched my grandma. Ooh, dude, it looks like a volcano just blew up in my area. I can't make it today, sorry. I'm gonna flow and throw bows till they put me in an old folks home I ain't trying to be a broke mofo, I got goals, man I'll be rhyming as an old man You're the opposite of Sammy, cold hands Man, you talk too much A fair weather Mayweather with no boxing gloves If you ain't got the hustle, boys, I don't wanna see ya I'm steady making noise like an anamanapia, pia, pia That's two direct hits I prove to never misconstrue my message Anyone ever can tell I can get it with this crew I mess with If we say we're doing something, we're doing that shit Y'all sleeping? Get off your back, man, sit up I talk a lot of shit, but I can back that shit up Work, school, rap till my pen's low on ink I'm writing till I never see my friends low on ink. If it's the first of the month, pay your goddamn rent If you're following your dreams, then run for president Because talk doesn't matter if there isn't any action I wanna be the scientist, not the chemical reaction If it's the first of the month, pay your goddamn rent If you're following your dreams, then run for president Because talk doesn't matter if there isn't any action I wanna be the scientist, not the chemical reaction Oh, that's nasty. Definition of a spermination. You can feel it on your face when I'm glazing your waist. Oh, my God. <laughs>